Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus, and he said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be walking down that road. But when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to that place. And when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was the neighbor's neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. If you'll join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, open our ears to hear your words, open our hearts to receive your grace, and open our eyes to see you for who you are. It's in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. I want to begin by telling you a story. We're going to throw it all the way back to when I was about five or six years old. I'm not really sure. But we had these next-door neighbors that were probably in their 70s or 80s. Their names were Lance and Ruth. And I remember one day I was playing in the front yard and my mom was on the front porch and Ruth was coming over to say hello. And so she was walking across our front yard and I'm playing in the front yard and I have this Frisbee in my hand. And I wanted to play. And so I said, Ruth, catch! But I, you know, when you're six years old, you don't realize you have to like, make sure they're ready to catch something when you throw it at them. And so I take the Frisbee and I whip it at her and I hit her right in the middle of the forehead. And my mom is like yelling at me from the, the porch saying, Daniel, you, you need to go apologize. Ruth, are you, are you okay? I wasn't the greatest next-door neighbor in that moment. I will, I will admit to you. And I'm nowhere close to how good this Good Samaritan was in this story. And so today, we're going to dive into Luke 10. And so if you look at verse 25 with me, we find that, Behold, this lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
And so this question sets the tone for the entire story. This question of what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And honestly, it's a really good question, isn't it? Don't we all want to know the answer to that question? And so Jesus responds to him. What's written in the law? How do you read it? This guy's a lawyer, right? He's a professional in the law. He should know the answer to this question according to the book of Moses. And so he answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, You've answered correctly. Go do this and you're going to live. Jesus affirms him. He says, good job. You got the answer right. Go do it. And a lot of people, when they read the story, they give this lawyer a bad rap, right? A lot of pastors and biblical scholars, when they tell this story, they'll, they'll say that this man was here to trap Jesus. They're trying, he's trying to get him to say the wrong thing. But what I genuinely think is this guy's just being curious. He wants to know this, this message that Jesus has. I mean, think about it. When you look at Luke 10, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He is doing these mini teaching sessions from village to village to village. He's telling this radical message. He just sent 72 disciples ahead of him. This news is spreading around, and if this man is a professional in the law, what Jesus is teaching is going to be completely radical to what he believes. And how many times when we read the Bible, do we ask questions to further our understanding? This guy is no different. He's curious. And if he wasn't curious, the conversation could have ended right there, then and there, right? We wouldn't hear this great story of this good Samaritan. But then he asked this question in verse 29. Desiring to justify himself, he says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? You see, he's desiring to justify himself before God. He's still stuck on this question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He isn't trying to lay this trap. He's just genuinely curious. But then Jesus, you know, can't give a straightforward answer, right? He's got, he's got to tell a story to prove his point. And so he tells the story about the good Samaritan. And he says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And also this Levite comes, and he passes on the other side. Now, if you're a person in this crowd. You're probably a Jewish person from Jewish descent, and you would know that this road to Jericho was not a safe road. Why? Because when you go from Jerusalem to Jericho, the the land becomes like an arid desert. It's got mountain ranges. You're descending into elevation. You're going towards the Dead Sea. It's an easy escape option for robbers. So they would lie and wait in the rocks and the boulders, and when someone would walk by, they would pretty much jump them, take what they needed, and they'd run. Because who's going to chase a robber into the desert? That doesn't make sense. And then we had this the second part that doesn't make a lot of sense, where this priest comes by, but he doesn't stop. And then this Levite comes by, and he doesn't stop. But wouldn't you expect the priest and Levite 
to maybe help the guy. They're, they're the chosen holy people that God has set aside in the tribe of Israel. It would be like, like a pastor walking by someone in need and just going to the other side of the road and walking around. It's unexpected. And what makes it even worse is that when you think of this road, it's not like County Road 6 where it's like a two-lane road. It's not like the, the road in your neighborhood or like a four-lane highway. This is like a little, little path through mountain range. So literally, they would have had to like step over this body. And why? Because it would have been considered unclean to touch a dead body. The Levite and the priest are prioritizing their own religious rules, their cultural rules over helping their neighbor. But then a Samaritan comes by. A Samaritan, Jesus? Really? The people in the crowd are probably thinking, that would never happen. And the Samaritan is journeying and he comes by and when he sees him, he has compassion And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he sets him on his own animal and brought him to an inn to take care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. What's what's so incredible about this is because the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. They hated each other. It was a 500-year feud. I mean, if you look at Luke 9, you'll see that a Samaritan village actually rejects Jesus, doesn't let them stay in their town, only on the premise that he was going to Jerusalem. It's not because of what he was teaching, and it's not because of who he was. It was only because he was going to Jerusalem, because only the Jewish people go to worship in Jerusalem. And then the reaction is, Jesus is top two disciples, James and John, come up to him and say, oh, Jesus, you know, they're going to reject you. Let's just smite them off the face of the earth. Let's, pull, let's call some fire down to them. Swipe them out. That's how big this feud is. So why would a Samaritan stop? And it's because he sees the man and he has compassion on the man. And the compassion overtakes his cultural priorities. He sees the man and he has compassion. Compassion is a fun word, and the definition I like to use is that compassion is that gut-wrenching feeling when you see someone else in need that it forces you into action. Sympathy is like looking at someone and saying, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I hope it gets better, and you walk away. Compassion is a gut-wrenching feeling, and that's what this Samaritan has. And when you read this story, how many of you are trying to figure out who's who and what each person symbolizes in, this, in the story? And how many of you are asking the question, who am I? Who am I in this story? Who, am I the Levite? Am I, am I the Good Samaritan? Am I the man who's dead? Am I the innkeeper? But we get so caught up in trying to interpret these stories that we miss the point completely that the story isn't really about being a good or bad person. It's about the fact that we are dead people in need of a Savior. We're dead people in need of a Savior. You know, we weren't created this way, right? 
Back at creation, God created mankind and he said that we were good. Very good, actually. But Satan had to come down and he strips us of our humanity. He tempts Adam and Eve into eating the fruit and they, they disobey God. And mankind becomes cursed. And now we can't inherit eternal life. We've lost that because we're cursed by sin. And Satan doesn't just leave it there. He continuously throws punch after punch after punch and he kicks us when we're down. And he attacks and he flees and he attacks and he flees. And it's exhausting. And some of you are here and you struggle with a sin or a choice you've made and you can't seem to overcome it or get rid of the guilt and that guilt weighs on you. It weighs on you. But I want to tell you something. Jesus sees you and he has compassion on you and he forgives you. And some of you are here and you're struggling with health issues. You're struggling with anxiety, depression, mental health issues, fear. I don't want to tell you that God sees you and he has compassion on you. And he promises you an eternal home filled with joy and healing and no more pain. And some of you are here and you're grieving the loss of a loved one. And it's really hard to say goodbye. But Jesus sees you and he has compassion on you. He loves you so much that someday we will be reunited in heaven and not just with each other, but with God himself. He promises that. And some of you might feel alone, neglected, abandoned, hurt, abused. And some of you might even feel that from the church. You might feel like you've been abandoned or hurt by the church. And if that's the case, I want to speak from the bottom of my heart and say, I am so sorry. I am sorry because that's not how the church is supposed to work. The church is supposed to serve as the hands and the feet of Christ. They're called to serve their neighbor. But I promise you that Jesus sees you. And he has compassion on you. And he walks with you wherever you go. You're never alone. And I don't know why you're here this morning. I don't know why you decided to come to church. Maybe it's because you're really strong in your faith and you, you realize that worship is really important to you. Maybe you're, you're questioning things and you're like this lawyer and you just want to know more answers and you want to learn more. Or maybe you're just not sure about this whole Christianity thing or this whole church thing. But I, I have a truth to tell you today that Jesus sees all of us in our brokenness and our pain and he has compassion on all of us. Because where is he going? He's going to Jerusalem. He's going there. In the greatest display of mercy of all time, Jesus dies for you. 
And he takes your sin, your brokenness, your pain, and he nails it to the cross with him. And then miraculously, he rises again and promises us eternal life because we can't do anything to inherit eternal life. It can only come from Jesus. This story is not about good and bad people. It's about dead people who need a Savior. But there's still that call to action at the end, right? Jesus finishes the parable by saying, go and do likewise. So what do we do with that? And if we have this great display of mercy that's shown to us, why would we not show it to others? And it begs the question, how do I serve my neighbor? And sometimes that's a really hard question to wrestle with. You see, you don't have to do something crazy big and heroic. It's as simple as throwing a turquoise table in your front yard and just talking to your neighbors. But the point I want to make is that loving your neighbor is about relationship. It's about connecting with other people. And when you connect with other people, you take their focus and you put it there. Because if we have been shown so great a mercy, how can we not show that mercy to others. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.